Hey everyone, it's Blake. I am going to be out of town for the last week in May and the first week of June. And originally I had these cool interviews lined up to release for you guys while I was out of town on vacation. And I ended up coming down with pneumonia. So I ended up having to reschedule both of those interviews for after I get back from my vacation. So instead I will be playing for you guys two of my favorite old episodes from the vault of half hour interns. So I hope you all enjoy. At the end of the day and at the essence of, of, of all of this, like if it's somebody you're already cuddling with and have kind of a cuddly relationship with, just just do it more <laughs> and, and be really comfortable with it. And, and like the more time you spend and the more rapport you build with your friends in this way, the, the easier it'll be for both of you, like between each other and the easier um, hopefully it'll be with other people too and, and kind of give you this this link of support within your friendship to be able to talk about these things with other people and, and just provide practice, like practice in touching and practice in relating really authentically and openly. And, and that's what we all need a lot more of is just practice in these things. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern, and we are back with Travis today for the remainder of his interview. And this portion is going to be all about cuddle therapy. It is... Super interesting, super awesome. I'll ask all the questions that uh, hopefully that you would have wanted to ask as well. Like, how can that honestly be not sexual? And has ever uh, anyone like tried to make any sexual advances or anything like that? Um, like, we'll obviously break down exactly what cuddle therapy is, why Travis thinks there's a need for cuddle therapy. Um, I'm totally convinced that there is. Um, we'll talk about. Uh, some of the other hard hitting questions, like what if you guys are the same size? Like who's big spoon? Who's little spoon? Can you be both? Like, uh, where do your body part do? What do you like? Look the other person in the eye the whole time. Does it ever get weird? What's the deal? So anyways, without further ado, I'm just going to send it right on to the episode. This is Travis Sigley with cuddle therapy. First, just tell us what cuddle therapy is. Obviously it's two words that we understand. It probably means what we think it means, but just give us your definition of cuddle therapy. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Um, cuddling in a therapeutic process and way, and it, for for what it is, as far as like the the brand or whatever the the service is, it's just this intimacy and affection and, and platonic touch and uh, educational really service that I started. Um, yeah, about seven years ago now, a little over seven years, and um, and that that's kind of the it in the most basic form. And there's a lot of stuff underneath the surface that's, that ends up being like a really profound experience and process for a lot of my clients and a lot of the people that have come to my, to my workshops around kind of re-engaging with, with touch and with the body as, as something that's not a sexual act or not a sexual, um, sexual experience um, or a sexual object as the body and, and something that allows kind of a little bit more of that, that childlike innocence and playfulness and just capacity to, to feel to feel pleasure and to feel comfort and to feel all these things in your body and not have to, um, not have to cross boundaries that are really confusing for a lot of people be, because there's a lot of stuff that's wrapped around sexuality and wrapped around our bodies that is a little bit out of our control because of a lot of, um, unfortunate 
systemic realities we live in um, that that use bodies to you know sell things and to like the, just the hypersexualization of, of of culture and and advertising and how we've spun um, like our psychological awareness of of what these things are and and how we can utilize them. It man, there there's you just said so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I got to imagine that there's so much kind of like hardwiring to break down when you when you first start meeting with someone. Mm-hmm. I. I I also have to imagine that to a certain extent, the people that are coming to you for cuddle therapy have got to be like pretty open already. Or do you have some people that seem like what what the average person would call a quote unquote normal person, which is that they're not super open and they're just really skeptical, but they just rang you up one day or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty mixed bag. Um, I mean, I I live in the Bay Area, so there's a kind of a a, a natural inherent openness. Yeah, inherent openness about being here um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but th- there's still you know there's still a lot of normalcy around here too. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, and and some some may say it's starting to get plagued by normalcy, if you will. Um, uh, it's something I don't necessarily agree with, but there there's a lot of change happening for sure. But there, there's there's a very diverse crowd around around the whole Bay Area, and and the people that come to me have have really been a huge range of of a lot of that. Uh, most people are are certainly open to an extent, um, but there are some people that are just pretty, um, you know, cut and dry with their lives. If they do their work and they kind of spend a lot of time alone and. They don't really go out much, and they had the, the normal. Normals feels like one a, a not real thing, um, and two maybe even a little judgmental as a as a as a concept in general. Totally. Um, but but more more simple. Like they have simple lives, and and they're happy with simple lives. And and I I simplicity is an incredible thing. Like we've talked a lot about that with within within tea and, and cuddling it in and of itself is a very simple act. Once um, you can kind of like get a rid of get rid of a lot of the like questions and weirdness we have around it when you really just lay down there and hold somebody it's it's a very simple process and and because so much of us lack it it's a very it's a, it's a very healing process also all right before we delve into the process more and the mm-hmm. philosophy and stuff like that let's talk about you a little bit if you're okay with that so sure. um like what was your life before cuddle therapy this is one of like the first business things you started right was cuddle therapy yeah. Yeah, that was my first. Okay, so what were you doing before you started cuddle therapy, and and how did this all come about? Um, yeah, before the kind of like last uh, career thing I was doing, I was down working in Palo Alto. Uh, I got a job doing QA when I was nineteen in Palo Alto while I was living in Santa Cruz, um, and so you know I was sitting behind a desk testing some home security software and hardware, and you know sending off bug reports to engineers and kind of that was my that was my day-to-day for for a while um and then i i quit that almost a couple years into that and moved up to san francisco and went back to school for music and um and then you know there's always this this edgy part of the story of where cuddle therapy came from uh but started stripping for a couple years uh for a living and and that's where the idea of cuddle therapy kind of was was born because a lot of people in that place uh, just needed touch and contact and intimacy and connection. And, and it really was way less about this like 
sexual desire and sexual pursuit and way more around just human contact and being able to totally be yourselves. Cause you know, there, there's this interesting idea of like, well, a stripper is not going to judge me for whoever I want to be and whoever I am. Um, so a lot of people came out and were really, um, just really super open about themselves and about, uh, what they, what their needs were and could ask for them. And, and a lot of it was just, was just touch. Man, that, uh, that's really interesting. I, so, all right. First of all, mm-hmm. what, what made you decide to start stripping as a way to earn money? Um, and like well, what went through your head making that decision? Right. Um, well, I, I, I found this love for dance for some reason. I don't even know how it happened, but I just all of a sudden absolutely loved dancing when I was living in Santa Cruz. And there was even a solid like two months where I stopped walking and I would just dance everywhere, including in the office. Up in <laughs> it was just <laughs> this weird awesome. phase that was, just, yeah, it was super fun. And there's a lot of interesting like stories that happened over those two months for sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I, so I was dancing all the time and I absolutely loved it. And I had this, I just recently stopped this year, but, um, had this phase of life where I was topless for eight years. So I didn't wear any shirts or jackets or vests or whatever. I I just kind of like made this interesting, another weird commitment that I had in my life. Um, I read this, man, you and I are kindred spirits. I, (laughs) so often people come over to the house and like, why aren't you wearing a shirt? And I'm just like, why would I wear a shirt right now? Like, what are you talking about? Uh, sorry, continue. No, no, it's good. Um, so I figured like, you know, I'm, I'm already like getting objectified a lot on the street and, and there's definitely a lot to talk about, about that. Um, but you know, already getting a lot of this and dancing all the time anyway. And like, well, if I do everything that I'm doing every day anyway and just take my pants off, then I can make this a job. Um, so I just kind of dove into it and and thought, you know, why not? It'll give me an opportunity to have more time in my life, which is really the most valuable thing on the planet. Because of um, how much money you make as a stripper. Because the money and, and the hours. Um, yeah. Male strippers make profoundly less um, money than female strippers, which is great. I'm glad there's a, a, like a different income disparity in that, in that particular industry. Um, there's a place <laughs> where a really good make point. More than yeah. Yeah. I actually really appreciate that part of it. Um, and, but yeah, it was more around just having the hours in my day, you know, where I don't have to go somewhere for, for eight hours. And that's the expectation of how much time I spend there. So for people, it, it, you, any of these questions, by the way, you don't have to answer. Right, um, sure. But so for people that are not in San Francisco and the Bay Area and are not mm-hmm. in this kind of a free environment, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that, um, are you gay or straight? Do you consider such titles and, and like such black and white things? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think um, certainly of such black and white things, especially since um, like sexuality is such a spectrum and working within the like realm of sexuality and intimacy with so many people for so many years, it's, open it's been such a so fascination much. for me. Um, but it's, it's just easier to tell people I'm straight because I've never been sexually attracted to a man. Um, and, and so it's just like, rather than having a really long conversation for people that want to have a really long conversation, sure. I'm down to have it. But most, most times I just, I just tell people I'm, I'm straight. Okay. So I just wanted a little bit of like background for the um, dancing around a lot with your shirt off and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Because mm-hmm. although this is the Bay Area, um, I, I mean, Palo Alto is a much more buttoned up part of the, of the Bay Area. Yeah. I, I imagine that that did not 
like come across the right way to a lot of people? Um, I mean, that was part of what I like what I was playing with for so long, you know, being this interesting, like off the beaten path, anomalous, topless figure in all the places I was going to, um, you know, it, it, it caught people a little off guard and maybe not necessarily, uh, in a good way. And as far as the immediate first impression was, but then I would meet them and I would have conversations with them and be like, Oh, this isn't just like some crazy dude on a power trip. It's a real human being. Like, exploring the boundaries of, of his own reality and of other people's realities and, and like not unaware of what I'm doing and, and aware that like I have a lot of profound privilege and opportunity to live in the area that I live in and am in the body that I'm in and, and have this capacity um, to have the open-mindedness that I have um, to, to experiment and explore like this and, and to know that I'm down to have these conversations around privilege and, and, and class and, and the disparity between a lot of these different things. And as an exploration to kind of see the edges of, of my own power and privilege without stamping out anyone else's, um, so that I know what I have. So therefore I know how to utilize it and and how to make the best use of it for, for everyone, for the good of all, if you will. Absolutely. Do you find that I, there's, there's such this weird, like, dichotomy if if that would even be the right word between i would imagine that like the more free that you live and that you feel emotionally and physically and spiritually and stuff like that that it also has to be a somewhat like isolating thing which is very strange that like (laughs) here you are being like exercising your freedom more and for that you're almost getting more isolated that like people feel like they can't necessarily relate to you it's like all right Right. for a lot of people like here's this guy that's like dancing down the street instead of walking down the street and he also doesn't have a shirt on therefore (laughs) like here is this litany of things that i am going to judge him with and assume about him um and now when you try to have just a normal natural conversation with the person it's like you're starting out you know 10 steps behind yeah i mean it that's that's certainly one of the ways in which things went down over over all that time and and um and that was that was part of why I stuck it out for so long was that I really got to see such a breadth of different types of people and different ways in which people uh, made assumptions about me and and a lot of like good and bad just like had a lot of preconceived notions of who I am based on what I looked like um, and and this is something that we do a lot and that's something that I'm really like really committed to deconstructing and looking at so a lot of us don't figuring out ways in which we're setting ourselves up for failure by making these assumptions and snap judgments and trying to help unwind that for people so that we can just in general be a lot more open and accepting and and know that you know i i even at the worst of what i've experienced is still way better than a lot of people that just live in in bodies of like women and people of color and and women of color and and trans people that that they don't have any like option they can't just put their shirt on you know they they can't just now look the part um man will not receive a lot of these things 
you are like hitting such a note with me right now. I was I was literally just thinking about this uh, last night, right before I went to bed. I, I I don't even remember now, which is how insignificant it was. But like some sort of quote unquote like bad thing happened to me, and I started to get a little bit bummed out about it. And then I remember just thinking to myself, like, how privileged am I that I can even think of this as a bad thing? That I'm like, right. I, I like, I should feel so lucky to to have this bad experience you know like so many people have to live in a place that's so held down or that you uh, are just in such a bad way or you know being born with some sort of disability or whatever it is that uh to uh for someone like you or me that that is so blessed uh, to then you know look at anything negative is is silly like so so silly Mm. um Sorry, that had nothing to do with cuddle therapy, but you just, uh, yeah, it really made me think about that. Um, so, all right, so this all obviously really sets the stage for cuddle therapy, your kind of philosophy going into this time in your life um, and, and right now and everything, and uh, and then working at the strip club, and there's some people at the strip club that say, hey, could you just cuddle me? Like, I just want to cuddle, that's it. I, were you were you like skeptical at first when people would say that they that they just wanted to cuddle? No, not at all. I mean, that's that's like that's kind of a part of this whole thing. And what I'm so interested in is is human connection and reading people and, and understanding and, and like seeing and recognizing authenticity and and these these folks just these people just really needed touch. They just really needed to cuddle. They I could see it in them, and they asked for it, and they were really genuine in their ask and. And it just, it made a lot of sense too, because we were just so like, it's, we're chronically untouched in, in, in this culture. Um, let, let alone like when we do get touched, rarely is it clean and totally energetically safe and consensual and all these different things. Um, it, it's, it's just such a rarity to have soft, relaxing, non-invasive, mutual, um, shared touch. Yeah, definitely. I imagine that you've thought about this a lot. Like, do you think that there is like precedent for cuddle therapy in nature, like looking at the way that other animals behave and kind of the way that you feel like we should be behaving and stuff? Um, I'm, yeah, there, there, there's a huge gap between like non-human animals and human animals. Uh, and the thing that we have uh, that others don't is is this this history of of culture and, and preconceptions around what is what. And there, it's not just a primal following of the body and the body's needs and, and like being able to do that and like right. say or- no and push something away when you're like, get the fuck off of me. I don't want you. Like that's, you know, like an animal will just do that. Like go, go away. Ah. Yeah. And instead of like placating, cause like, this is my role and like, I'm like just going to put up with it and it'll be over later. And you know, there's this and, and that's like, that's like a, a there's a very like, gendered dynamic in a lot of ways in, in which we, we interact as people and there's a lot of pressure to do things one way or the other and um and like it's and it's it's just something we've we've learned over time and has has been happening for so long that we just like put it in the category of biological and be like that's just what that's just what we do you know this is just what men do this is what women do and this is just our, our biology and our bodies um, and it's so hard to actually differentiate that because we haven't had something that is a, a, a like pure visceral 
primal expression and experience for for ever. I mean, we've we have no concept of what that even looks or feels like. Just not getting out of uh, conceptual uh, reality and getting into just like primal physical physical um, sensation and and uh, and attraction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so talk about, I guess you think then like the world's need for, for cuddle therapy and what exactly it's doing in, in like kind of breaking, I imagine like breaking down the ego a little bit and like reaching, uh, a, like asking someone to reach a little bit deeper into themselves. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a huge need the world over. Um, and, and I, I don't mean like the brand of cuddle therapy, like you don't need to hire me. You don't need to do this. Like that is a way in which you can get this need met. Sure. But the real need is is a, a community or people in your life in which you can you can share touch and to know that it's always going to be safe. It's always going to be consensual. It's always going to be the type of touch you both need. Um, and and you could have other needs around it, but just like resting in that place that it's kind of like the lowest common denominator of where you both have your needs not being met, and to be able to share that and be with one another, and even even in a lot of like very touchy cultures, like I was just in Brazil last year and I, and I do a lot of traveling all over the world. Um, and I'm very happy that I have the capacity to do so um, in part to do like sociological kind of anthropological studies on, on, on humans and their culture specifically around how they relate and how they share themselves with each other and, and, um, and how, how their love works, how their, are you an alien Travis? Works. You keep on saying <laughs> they and not us. Are you like here to just <laughs> well, study other us? cultures when I, <laughs> Well, I'm like I'm not Brazilian, so when I go down to Brazil, I'm not going to claim myself as Brazilian, but I am going to go in like learning and, and integrating and like learn the language and be a part be a part of their culture as much as I can be, but not say that I am it. Right. Um, but but <laughs> uh, that that to that to say, like even in Brazil where things are very touchy, I still heard a lot of complaint around like yes, there's a ton of touch. But it's so hypersexualized all the time, and and in a lot of Latin cultures, I've heard this from in, in, in Central and South America. Like, there's there's way more touch, but it's still it's really loaded and it's really heavy and it's draining touch because I have to manage my boundaries and like not be able to relax into the touch, but actually kind of like have to push it away or pull it in where I need it. And there's like touching is a very active thing; it's not a passive thing you can relax into. Totally, man. I I feel so strongly that in the like the idea of, of yin and yang in everything you know mm-hmm. and and i think one of the most important yin and yangs is like the male female relationship and not necessarily between like yourself and a female but like that mm-hmm. within every person like a mm-hmm. male and female energy you know mm-hmm. and maybe one is going to be a little bit more dominant based on your gender or what you relate to or whatever mm-hmm. it is but you need to so fully embrace uh the I don't know if energy is the right word or whatever of, of that other, mm-hmm. of that other gender and come from a place of empathy and understanding and, and stuff like that. And unfortunately, so much of the world's cultures and ideas and philosophies and whatever else have been just fully predicated and decided by men you know? And, right. uh, so for, for anyone, for the women living in Brazil, it's like, Oh, well we have this like overly sexualized touchy culture. It's like, well, I, I wonder who decided that it was probably yeah. like a whole bunch of dudes that decided that this is how this culture is going to go, you know? And, uh, 
I'm sure a lot of dudes could just think like, oh yeah, well that sounds great, like whatever. But the 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 absence of any sort of like real connection is a is a real thing and a real problem. Um, and and like should not be uh, taken lightly. First of all, and and the like this idea that sex is like the goal and the be all end all is I think a very um like shallow and short-term thinking and something that I don't think most women would have. And that most women would probably, I guess, maybe not naturally have, but have been uh, almost like brainwashed into thinking just because of, again, like the, the men deciding the way that society goes and society thinks. Yeah. It's, and, and it's again, one of those things that's been happening for so long and there's been so much momentum for so long that, um, we we're we're just very deep in it and and it and it looks it's a very global thing like that that idea of, of short-term thinking is is a big a big kind of uh just metaphor for for life in general right now you know we've very much thought in the short term and therefore are very much like environmentally on the path of destruction and uh it's because we haven't really taken the time to zoom way out and just be receptive to the reality that we're actually in rather than creating one that we want. Um, and like, therefore the bridge isn't really there. And, and the bridge from where we are and where we want to go is, isn't really happening too well. And there's still capacity. I don't think we've, we've like, I haven't given up hope fully. I'm still committed to like helping uh, the, the larger process, if you will, of um, human survival and evolution. Um, that's kind of like how far I zoom out when I think about the work that, I, that I'm doing um, or trying to do. And, and I, I, I think that that's a very important part that we're missing. And it, and it is, it's, it's, it's hard to like dichotomize the like masculine, feminine, male, female thing, but there is something to be said about using those as points of reference, um, energetically, because it's still, I don't think quite hits the nail on the head. There's, there's too much complexity. Um, but that yin and yang kind of energetics is, is a very important thing to be, to be mindful of and knowing that like we're very in a young, very like push through, create more um, like thing. And like, there's still um, so much excess that comes out of it. And again, with like sitting down and drinking tea for a second and taking a moment for yourself, like you don't have the chance to be receptive to what's already around you and see how much you have before you go and create more. Um, that's kind of one of, one of the things where we're working with and, one of our lessons as, as human beings, I think. <laughs> yeah, one of our tasks to learn while we're right, here. Right. So, dude, uh, to make this a little bit lighter for a second, have I sure. been saying yin and yang wrong my entire life? Am I just totally freaking blowing it here, sounding like a noob? Am I supposed to be saying yin and yang? <laughs> um, you know, language is, is what it is. I'm pretty um, pretty certain it's, it's pronounced yang, but, you know, accents are all over the world and people pronounce things however they do and people know what you say when you're saying it. So I, I'm, you know, I, I, you can go either way. Yeah, totally. I guess language is totally subjective. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get back into cuddle therapy. So, um, do you have to, because we are, you know, operating in this world and this society with whatever preconceived notions and different things hardwired into who we are and the way that we think and the way that we operate, do you have to set rules beforehand? Um, and do you feel like setting rules, it all kind of dim diminishes like what you're trying to do with the person? 
Um, yes, definitely have to set set boundaries, and to uh, has the opposite effect uh, effect of of diminishing what we what we do. Um, it's really important for people to have a container that has walls that like has a boundary, knowing like this is as far as we can go, uh, so that you can know that. Anything up until that point, you can roam wildly. You can go all over the place knowing that that's like, that is, that is the place you can't go to. So you can feel free to go anywhere within it, like talk about anything that you want, share anything you want, like hold each other in whatever position, but like knowing that there's this sexual line and we're never going to cross it. Um, and, and really like that's, that's what the whole point of the service is, is to create a context where you can be yourself in any way, shape or form inside of that boundary. Um, so that's really the only boundary is like no sex, uh, no sex, no sexual contact. Like, no, it's, this isn't like a sexually stimulating thing. We're avoiding erogenous zones, if you will. Um, and that's not, that's not why, why we're here. Um, and I also have hygienic boundaries. I, I, I don't want, I can't have, uh, I can't be working with anyone that has anything that I can catch like lice or some skin, something like that. And, you know, I, I, people need to be um, as freshly showered as is able, and you know they, they need to come come like physically and energetically clean uh, if needed, or if 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 they can, um, as or rather I should say as much as they can be, because um, I know people have busy lives and they're coming straight from work and they couldn't shower right then, but they did that morning kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's all. That's all totally fine. But yeah, just the the sexual and hygienic boundaries. Those are the two things that I have, um, so that we can really kind of relax into into the the experience and, and let them uh, let them really get the most out of it. Now, what if it starts to feel sexual? What I I imagine, like you talked earlier about, um, just kind of studying people and the way people talk and the way people move and the intentions maybe behind their words and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I imagine you're a pretty good. Uh, judge then of when it just starts to like feel a little bit different or like it's going in a little bit of a wrong direction? Mm-hmm. Um, well, not wrong direction, but like not right for that moment. Uh, and that's a big part of what I, what I talk about too, of like sexuality is not a shameful thing and sex is not a shameful thing. And, and that's, we're not here to like diss it and say this is not something we should ever be doing um, as people. And between us, definitely is something we're not doing. Um, but it, it's, it's something that we need to kind of just set aside for a moment and explore, explore connection without it. Cause many people have never had a chance to do that. Um, and, and yeah, I've, I've gotten a really, a, a really sharp sense for a, a change in things energetically and, and as, and, and there's no, and there's no problem with feelings coming up. That's a totally normal thing especially when you've associated touch to sexuality your entire life, I totally get why this would come up and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but our, our job here is to not like explore and express it physically. Um, so we talk about it. Like if something comes up, like I feel like you're feeling things or I feel like you're wanting something or, um, or something like that. And, and then we get to have a conversation about it and start talking about attraction and start talking about sexuality and, and start like deconstructing it a little bit so we can understand where it's coming from. A little That's bit really more. cool and interesting. Then they're getting more of like a just straight up normal therapy session as opposed to just a cuddle therapy session that like those, those ideas are things that people usually never confront or talk about or think about in their entire oh, yeah. lives. Oh yeah, totally. 
Um, has anyone ever like tried to cross any lines with you? Nope. Not once in seven years of doing this. Never have I had anyone even try. Wow, man. That's, that says a lot. I think about people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, there's this real deep need that has not been met for a very long time across many generations and having the opportunity to actually find it and actually have it met they don't want to screw that up. You know, they're like, Oh my God, I finally found this thing. And there's like, they, they're just so ready for it and they just relax into it. So, so easily. Yeah. So do you do this with both men and women? Um, yep. I work with anyone, no matter their, uh, gender or sexual identity or, or anything like that. If, if I'm of the mindset that, Every human being needs touch, and as long as they're capable of respecting the boundaries I've set up, I'm, I'm happy to work with them. Do you have a larger percentage of men or women that come to you? I, I have probably have a larger percentage of women, yeah. And, well, I mean, you're a really good-looking guy. We should say <laughs> that. So uh, what, about the, uh, what about the age range? Um, I've worked throughout a lot of different age ranges. I, I've, I've seen um, a couple clients that were 18 and 19, and then I've had some uh, in their 70s. But I'd say the majority falls within the 30s, 40s range. Have there ever been any uh, like weird instances where, I mean, we are just people anyway. So like the body does what the body does. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, Have you ever gotten aroused or like they get aroused? And then I guess like you earlier, you were talking about just talking about it. Is that, is that kind of how you, you handle that situation? Yeah, totally. Just, just talk about it and like adjust as needed. If, if needed, like it's, it's not a huge thing. I, I'm pretty controlled over my own arousal. You know, I'm, I'm in an energetic space where this is so not uh, like sexy, sexual thing for me. So that's, that's not something that really arouses, arouses me. So it's not something that I personally have um, have had much issue with over the years. Yeah. Um, and if other people have, I, again, that's, that's totally fine. And we just kind of readjust so that there's no like contact and sensation that helps, um, like support it. And we can kind of help relax again. That's cool, man. Um, what it like, I, I guess then what, what is the typical or again, it's so funny. It's so many times when I'm asking questions to somebody, I, I realize as I'm asking the question that it's like the wrong way to ask the question or <laughs> that I'm asking the wrong question or whatever. Right. But I, I feel like there's still, it's like a good context for most people listening to, to receive the conversation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, uh, what is like the typical way that you are positioned like is there a lot of spooning involved um is it like face to face and but like touching um it's it's pretty individual for a lot of people some people love these particular positions some people um explore a lot and try to move around a lot um there's definitely a lot of probably the most common things are are me spooning someone or having them lay their head on my chest while um i hold on to them those are probably the two most common common ones that we that I uh, that I end up doing. What about if you're the same size as the other person, or if the mm-hmm. other person is bigger than you? Then do they still kind of cuddle up into you? Sure. I mean, I, I, it, it's always it can always go both ways. You know, I'm very happy to be held by somebody if they if they want that kind of sensation of holding on to somebody and like having that protective or enveloping or, or like giving nourishment to somebody else. Like a lot, that's definitely a need also. There are a lot of givers out there. Um, 
and and that's something that, that like really really enlivens them is to have the capacity to give or to support or to hold somebody and now you weren't wearing a shirt for six years did do you wear a shirt when you do this or do you not wear a shirt um yeah i wear i i wear a shirt. I, i'm fully clothed for it and, I, and nowadays i'm fully clothed in general in day-to-day life <laughs> you've graduated <laughs> to wearing a shirt i've, I've, I've matured as, as my grandmother says <laughs> <laughs> so do you uh do you find that that not having a shirt would i guess like set the wrong tone or something um for some people originally sure but i mean i've been doing it for so long and had been so comfortable in my body and have just removed my body as purely a sexual object for so long that it's not it was always easy to kind of um, help relax and settle into that. All right. So I'm going to throw out three terms here. And if you could just uh, enlighten us is in, <laughs> sure. in, for all of them. So one of them is cuddle parties. The other one is cuddle puddles. And the last one is the cuddle shuttle. Could you talk to <laughs> us about these things? <laughs> Got it. Um, yeah. Cuddle, cuddle parties. Uh, there is like a branded cuddle party thing. Um, that is out there and could be good for good for some people. Um, it's, it's definitely good for like total beginners that need some sort of structure and context under which they can, um, they can like explore and experience that in a safer environment. Um, and just in general, like I've thrown cuddle parties where it's a bunch of people that know how to do this. And like, we don't have to talk about consent boundaries because we all just know it. We all know what these things are. You know, they're friends of mine. we, we know that as a baseline, we do consent. That's how we do things. Uh, and we know how to respect each other and we know how to engage with, with groups in that way. Do you find um, that with the cuddle parties, like when there's more people involved, that it's harder to really connect, that people kind of take it less seriously because there's more people there or the opposite, that people connect more because of the number of people that are there? Um, if people, it, I mean, it depends what you mean by connection. You know, there's all kinds of ways in which people can connect. Um, I guess I mean more, um, emotionally and spiritually and not, uh, you know, just like physically. And, um, I would say there's definitely more, more connection that happens in those environments just because connections happening all throughout the room. So it's like a place where it's like comfortable and safe. Like, okay, everyone in this room is probably down and interested to connect to other people. So I can just do that. Um, and me, that's why I showed up. I'm interested in connecting with people so we can just do that. Um, and there's just a, a, an environment where, where that's, that's just totally normalized. All right. So the cuddle puddle, right? So a cuddle puddle is usually a group of people, you know, you can have like three or four, but up to like dozens of people just laying out on, you know, um, a bunch of beds together or like foam mats or something along the floor and just piled on top of each other. And I think I read online that you will do this at clubs and stuff like that. Like you'll bring your stuff, you'll bring your gear like out, out into the world. Yep. I've got some memory foam mats and sheets and pillows and everything that I, that I brought out to, to different, different events all over the Bay. Okay. And then an interview that I read a while from a while ago talked about uh, the cuddle shuttle. I'm not sure if that like ever <laughs> came to fruition into reality. Uh, did that? Uh, that was one of those things that did not end up happening yet, uh, unfortunately. But it's it's definitely still in there. Um, it's still in my head and something that I want to uh, want to jump into at some point. But I ended up because I opened my tea houses in the bay. 
my um, capacity to be more transient kind of completely diminished. So I've been pretty rooted here in, in the Bay Area for, for a little bit and haven't really had the chance to um, just like take this idea out into out into the States and, and just travel around in like a bus with a bunch of, you know, tea tables where you can sit around and drink tea together and 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 like pads and mats everywhere. So the cuddle shuttle would be like a roaming cuddle puddle where you educated people about cuddle therapy and stuff. Right, exactly. That's cool, man. Um, do you think that it's possible for a large company to do this correct? I, I saw, I searched online and there's um, some companies that are like pretty large that are doing this in multiple states. And mm-hmm. I, do, do you feel like you're... <laughs> I don't know. I guess just talk about your thoughts on that. Um, I have, it's, it's, it's interesting cause it's still such a like new and budding industry. Uh, even, you know, I started it seven years ago, but there was nothing at that point. There was nothing around at all. Um, and, and so it, it, it's still pretty unheard of for most people. And it's really hard to, imagine this as a service and especially since there's no like standard of certification or licensure or anything like that it's it's kind of hard to know what you're getting yourself into and i think it's possible to do something at a larger scale i don't know how well it's happening now um just because uh, some of the sites that i've seen are very much like these are business people seeing a business opportunity that are going in to like create this structure under which they can make a bunch of money but don't get the human to human connection concept at all. Totally. And some of their like manual stuff, like what they've written up to the, like the, the, the cuddlers that they hire are like awful. And the business practices are pretty not like great. You know, they're kind of not really respectful of the people that are working for them and like not paying them on time and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I've, I've done, I've done my research within that too. And, and know some people that work for some of these, um, some of these things. And, and it's just like, it takes a whole revamp of the idea of, of how we do business and how we do connection. That's kind of the whole point of this work and this industry is that we've kind of fallen pretty far from the point. And, um, and in, in the essence of like utilizing the resources that is other people to make more money for ourselves, that's kind of the essence of what's, what's has gone awry with capitalism as a model. And, and it just like is not, it's just awful on this kind of idea of like, somebody else doing a service for you and doing all the legwork and then you taking a, a substantial chunk of their, of their money. Yeah. And I, I, the thing that I, I was thinking about is just the, the, the amount of for, for the average person approaching this for the first time, it's like the amount of context that needs to be set for that person. And the, um, I don't know, amount of like deep and real connection that needs to be had with that person. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, I know you and it's like, I, I know, I know that you're having this, the, the these, the, the right moments with these people, you know, and that mm-hmm. they're getting the right vibes from you and stuff. So these, these barriers that need to be broken down can be, can be broken down, you know, but like, uh, I, yeah, I just don't know how you take something like this into like a massive scale and hope that the same level of, um, of like, of intimacy and of, of personal connection is still going to take place, you know? Right. And, and it's very indicative of, of just 
the way we've gone so far. Like uh, as far as I've seen, um, humans haven't really learned how to scale very well. Um, at some point, when we grow to a certain point, somebody gets screwed along the way. If not, a lot of people get screwed along the way as soon as scale happens. Um, and that's kind of how we look at and view the model of scale as kind of like um, a hyper focus of the energy pointing one direction and, and therefore the money pointing in one direction um, and kind of leaves a lot of people um, in, in just not the best opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's see. Oh, are you able to be in a relationship with this? I, God, I could only imagine. Like, if my wife was like, hey, man, I listened to that episode that you just did with Travis. I think that I want to, uh, A, start cuddling with Travis, or B, I think that I want to become a cuddle therapist. I might just go ahead and kill myself. I might just jump off my roof. Like I wouldn't know how to handle that. Uh, are you able to be in a relationship? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people like... You know, you meet someone to begin with, and they meet me, and they see me. And if if it's if it's something where a relationship seems like it's a mutually uh, desired and, and thing, then they kind of know what they're signing up for. You know, I'm a really loving and affectionate person. And I love to share it, and and really, there's like I do a lot of work with that also, like looking at um, relationship models and, and like models of, of of sexuality and intimacy and all these different things, and and really um work to explore and experiment a lot of different ways in which in which we can share love and affection and um and that doesn't even necessarily have to do with sexuality um and and so people know that this is kind of what i'm up to and what i'm into and 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 if you know if you're interested it's 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 gonna be a really fun and interesting and really explorative ride and and you know it's always going to be met with with respect and communication and, and everyone's going to be on board the whole way. And, and then if we're not, we're not, and we can phase into a different form of, of friendship or relationship. Um, but because I'm just so upfront and honest and clear around who I am and what I do and, and, and what I'm up to in my life, then um, it, it's kind of, it can be a lot easier than a lot of other ways because there's just like so much assumption made when, well, this is how we do it. This is what the model is. If I'm sleeping with you, clearly I'm not sleeping with anybody else. We don't even need to talk about it. We don't need to talk about desire for other things or other people. And then it can kind of like lock us up in a couple of different ways. And, and, and we lose the sense of like full free expression to, to share anything and everything because it might question the model of relating that we're, we're living under. Totally. I guess it's like a, a different side of the boundaries that you were talking about with the people that you cuddle with. That the the person that you're dating knows the boundaries that you have, um, that you know going both ways. So so they don't they don't feel they, they don't feel strange about the situation. Right. Exactly. Cool. Well, that being said, if my wife does call you after this episode, you gotta <laughs> do me a solid and just let me know. You know. Uh, okay. Great. Great. That's that's an agreement that I made, and I'll let your wife know if she calls me that I will be letting you know. That's <laughs> Perfect. Made, that's so great. That we're all yeah. We're all in the know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's try to help people out. So if, if this is something that people are are listening to this and they're like, yeah, you know what? It would be nice to have some sort of deeper physical intimate contact with somebody and who knows maybe what sorts of conversations that would bring up or who knows, um, what sorts of feelings that would stir or, you know, whatever it is. 
What are what are some tips for effective cuddling? Like if they have somebody else in their life that they are already really close with, um, mm-hmm. that they feel comfortable cuddling with, um, what are what are some tips that you could give? Um, yeah, it's it's a like such a dynamic question. It could be so many different things. Um, really, I mean, at the at the end of the day, and at the essence of of, of all of this, like if it's somebody you're already cuddling with and have kind of a cuddly relationship with, just, just do it more (laughs) and, and be really comfortable with it. And, and like the more time you spend and the more rapport you build with your friends in this way, the the easier it'll be for both of you, like between each other and the easier, um, hopefully it'll be with other people too. And, and kind of give you this, this link of support within your friendship to be able to talk about these things with other people and, and just provide practice, like practice in touching and practice in relating really authentically and openly. And, and that's what we all need a lot more of is just practice in these things. And, and if you, if you have friends that you're really close with, but you're not necessarily cuddling with them, um, you know, if you're, what I always love is like, if, if you ever want to do that, you can always use the excuse of, Hey, I heard this podcast or, Hey, I went to this workshop this one time or, Hey, I met this guy, Travis, and this is what he does. How do you think about just like cuddling and just doing that and like having a conversation and just using me and as an excuse, I always love that. It's like, yeah, heard this guy, met this guy. What do you think about it? Um, you know, cause, totally. because now you have a context for it. Now you're like, Oh, this is, this is something that, um, that I'm, that I'm interested in doing. And, and now I have a way of being able to talk about it. Right. Well, and now thanks to this episode, they can actually like play the episode for them right. and send them to the episode that because I mean, if you just tell somebody, Hey, I heard this thing. It's like, we're supposed to be cuddling. The other person is pretty <laughs> naturally just going to think like, all right, dude, you're just trying to get me in bed. Uh, thanks. So or better yet, like ask to like cuddle for an hour and listen to this episode. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Wow. That's good, man. Um, so I, I, around the tips for cuddling, I, I wanted to touch a little bit on, um, like eye contact and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I read in, uh, in an interview you did a, a while ago that I think that you start out your sessions with just some like kind of deep eye contact and drinking tea and stuff like that. I, I have a couple of friends, uh, one of my best girlfriends and her boyfriend, a uh, while ago started doing this thing. I, I think she had read something somewhere um, about eye contact and whatever, and just kind of realized, like, uh, to your point about realizing how rare it is that we have like intimate contact that's not sexual, and that you, mm-hmm. you saw this kind of like need for that and this human touch and human interaction is the the incredible rarity of like real eye contact with people and mm-hmm. how hard it is to just like hold someone's gaze, particularly if you're not talking, like if you're yeah. just looking at the person, right. it makes you feel so, so uncomfortable. And not only does it make it, 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 it like is so much more pervasive than just that, than when they, when I would be around them, sometimes it would make me feel uncomfortable looking at their eye (laughs) contact when they weren't talking because you're like, wait, so you guys are really just looking at each other? Like it's so, (laughs) and it makes me realize like how neurotic and and bizarrely programmed and whatever I am that two human beings sharing eye contact without talking is some, that 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 somehow seems weird and that that bothers me (laughs) or whatever it is. Like what a sad, sad thing that silent eye contact should seem weird. And yet if anyone listening to this tries to think of the last time that they were with their wife or their husband or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or a close friend, and they just sat there staring at each other 
in a in a very real connected emotional way and it wasn't a freaking staring contest and that you don't start like laughing like what are we doing oh i don't know this is stupid oh like you know and that you just held your gaze like that's probably never happened there's probably people listening to this that have been married for like 30 years and that they never looked at each other for 60 seconds straight without you know breaking gaze or saying something or laughing or whatever it is um what are your thoughts on eye contact? What sort of tips can you give us about eye contact? Um, yeah, that I mean, the, this this like eye gazing thing in silence for for a minute. That's that's kind of an extreme practice that because we're so far removed from eye contact being a comfortable thing, um, seems kind of crazy and out there and like where people could be married for thirty years and never have tried it. Um, so, it, I mean, in general, eye contact is really really amazing and really important. And is also very intimate and very vulnerable, and and so it can be hard for people to do it. And and I don't always make eye contact through all the conversations I'm always having. You know, I can easier, more easily, kind of explore all the crevices of my my thoughts and trying to like piece together my conversation when I'm kind of staring off into space and not distracted by this person watching me. Um, so like I might not make eye contact in moments like that. Um, but when I'm listening, I certainly end up making a lot more eye contact and. And I do make eye contact when I'm when I'm speaking, also. Um, but just it's not one of those things that I necessarily overthink or overdo. But I I, I definitely like interplay it into a lot of my conversations, and it, and it is really important to to you know to share share the gaze of someone you're speaking with, and and to kind of match them, and because so much of what is being said is is more the person in the body and the, the, the eyes, the face that it's coming from and, and the tone and everything and, and, and less maybe about the words and words are also important, but there's still a whole person that is feeling and thinking and has all this stuff happening underneath the surface that the words aren't fully capturing, but you can, you can get a lot, a lot more of a sense of if you're, if you're, if you're with them, if you're, if you're looking at them and, and if you're able to, to make eye contact with them. And so will so, you will you work on silent eye contact with people that you're cuddling with? Like, will you just stare into their eyes for a while? If that's something they request, certainly, yeah. And that's not something I necessarily, um, like, it, it's it's something that can happen, but it's not necessarily something I dive into. I'm like, okay, now we're going to, now's the eye contact portion of the <laughs> session. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if it's within the boundaries, you know, it's, it's, it's not sexual and it's not any, you know, unhygienic. So, yeah, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's cool, man. Um, man, I I think that that's all I got, dude. Travis, thank you so much for coming on the show again, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, definitely. Hey, everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on the show. Then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.